Hello and welcome to the Henrietta Christian Fellowship Podcast. The notes for the sermons featured here can be found at our website, henriettacf.org. Also, on Android or iOS mobile devices, you can find them on the Uversion app. Just click on search for live events and enter our zip code, 14543. Without further ado, here's this week's sermon. You're keeping score, you know, this is, um, <clears throat> last week was actually Elder Sunday, but uh, I, uh, I came down with a uh, toothache. Um, <clears throat> I didn't realize it, but um, February 16th was National Toothache Day. <laughs> and uh, I did come down with a toothache on National Toothache Day, and uh, <clears throat> I had to have a root canal on uh, Friday. <laughs> before, so I wasn't really in much good shape to, uh, to speak. So I appreciate your indulgence there, Pastor. Thank you again. Um, <clears throat> also, um, we, we do want to thank you for your prayers. I, I've gone sort of through this time in my uh, walk where we're battling cancer, and it was so unexpected that we weren't prepared at all. I wasn't prepared personally at all to go through this. And it was so unexpected, thing like that comes on you just so unexpectedly that it takes weeks and weeks to get your heart in line with this new reality, if you will, right? So um, <clears throat> part of what we'll talk on today and, and all that we've been doing at home group on Wednesdays has to do with uh, <clears throat> the trials I've been through to walk by faith through this. And there's times when you absolutely have to hear from God. And there's no substitute for that. And it's times like those times when you're faced with a new reality that you absolutely have to find God's word for the day, to get through the day. So I I understand uh, that so much clearer now after going through this. And I appreciate so much your prayers um, as you stood with us. And thank you again for all that you you offered up for, for us and the assistance you gave us. So today, we want to talk on uh, a passage that's extremely familiar, Mary and Martha in Luke 10. If I was in a, <clears throat> a medieval church, uh, I would walk over to the stained glass window and tell this story. If there is one in the church, that is, or cathedral it would be in that case. We'd walk over to the stained glass window where they'd have a stained glass representation of this scene in Luke um, chapter 10. So if you have your Bibles, let's turn to Luke chapter 10, which is uh, uh, midway through the gospel and uh, where Jesus had stopped off in the town of Bethany. And the passage reads like this. You can go to the next slide, Dwayne. Thank you. It came to pass as they went, he entered a certain village and a certain woman named Martha received him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary which also, she also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was uh, cumbered or distracted by much serving and came to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Bid her therefore that she would help me. And Jesus answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you are 
careful and troubled by many things, but only one thing is needful, and Mary has chosen the good part, which shall not be taken away from her. So you may not know, but yesterday was a significant day for us sports fans. It's the beginning of spring training. <laughs> for those of us that really care, it's been 157 days since baseball happened. <laughs> and I'm not that much of a sports fan. These are just figures that I saw on a website. But anyway, <clears throat> Nan and I did watch the very first, very first game. And uh, if you if you pay attention to baseball and you watch the games, you realize there's a lot of discussion that goes on, even though it doesn't look like there's discussion going on. And one of the most interesting discussions is that home plate when someone comes up to bat because a really really good catcher someone that's really got his heart and mind in the game will do his best to distract the batter in fact that's one of the strategies a really good catcher would will do it's just try to distract the batter and make comments and they're just kind of silly sometimes goofy things and one of the most famous comments was by Yogi Berra. Yogi Berra, as you probably well know, was, was, was full of interesting comments about life in general. And uh, one particular World Series game, the best hitter in all of baseball was coming up to bat. His name was Hank Aaron. Hank Aaron was coming up to bat, and there was, this was back in the 70s, early 70s, and there was Yogi Berra sitting behind the plate, and he, he goes, uh, Hank, you're holding your bat all wrong. You're holding your bat all wrong. He goes, you know, you're supposed to hold the, the label up. That's what he said to him. And so Hank Aaron just shook his head, and he took the first pitch and drove it over the left field fence. Just bang, right out to left field. Right, home run. So as he was trotting around the bases, he came to home plate, and he goes, you know, I didn't come up here to read. <laughs> That's a great story. Awesome story. Didn't come up here to read. <clears throat> Life is certainly full of distractions. Everywhere you look and every moment we live. And this is a really poignant story here about two ladies who uh, Jesus was going to take an opportunity to do an object lesson, to provide an object lesson for us about what is really necessary in our Christian walk. What is required of us? What's necessary? What's important, if you will? And what is a distraction? What is actually, he says, more than that, what is worrisome to us? What's actually bothering us that keeps us distracted? Amen? You know, I, as we look at these two ladies, and again, this story is so poignant and powerful because it's so relatable. I know these two people, amen? Hey, I've been these two people, first of all. And these two people, okay, honesty, they live in our house, okay? It happens, amen? I'm sure they live at your house, too. Okay, these two people are so relatable. And we all know and can identify with them. Sir, there's been times when I've been so distracted in, in, in my activities that I've been like this first lady, Martha. But I think half the time Martha gets a bad rap on this, okay? <clears throat> That's just my opinion. I think Martha had a lot to offer 
She actually is from a very wealthy family in the town of Bethany. Bethany is two miles outside of Jerusalem. Uh, <clears throat> it's, right, it's the little town right next to the big city, if you will. Sort of, we might call it as a what? What, what will we? Suburb, okay? So it's a suburb, right? And so that's where, and when Jesus would come, and he would come to Jerusalem every year, right, to celebrate the feast, and he would come, and he would stay here with his friends from Bethany. And so they had invited him into the house, <clears throat> this, this family, well, while he was in Jerusalem. And in John 11, go to the next slide, it actually describes the relationship in John 11, verse 5, that Jesus had with Martha. These were some of his best friends, and it actually says the scripture gives us in John 11, Jesus loved Martha. Jesus had this relationship with these three people in this home, the three people being Martha, Mary, and Lazarus. Okay? He had this intimate relationship, and when it says Jesus loved Martha, <clears throat> Martha also had a relationship. Amen? And it's explicitly stated in John 11 that she absolutely believed Jesus was the Messiah. And she confesses it, actually. And that is the passage. How important were these three people in the Gospels? An entire chapter is devoted to them. So that's why it was important for us to understand this sort of this scene and this relationship between Mary, Martha, and Jesus. And she absolutely believed. In fact, when Jesus came, he finally came, and Lazarus had passed on four days, and both of the ladies had come to Jesus, Jesus was so touched that he cried too. Amen? Even though he knew what was going to happen, he knew it wasn't a tragedy, but it was a tragedy in their heart. That's what he was responding to. It says uh, literally in, in, that Jesus saw her weeping, and those that had come with her, and he was moved by the emotion. So deeply felt by these two ladies, including Martha. Amen? But here in this passage, we see a side of Martha that the Lord wants to use as an object lesson. It says she was distracted. Amen? And that's in Luke 40. Or Luke 10, verse 40. What about Mary? <clears throat> The first thing you should ask yourself is, okay, which Mary is this, right? Why are there so many Marys in the Bible? I mean, have, okay, so has anybody ever asked that question? I had to ask that myself. What, why so many Marys? Well, first of all, the scripture passage that we just read said, her sister was called Mary. In other words, that's the name they called her. That wasn't her given name. Okay, so the Greek word says that's what she's called around the house. So we don't really know what her name was, but they called her Mary. So Jesus called her Mary. As an intimate friendship, that was what she called. Why so many Marys? Well, you know, there's seven Marys, okay? So there's the Mary, right? The Mary. Okay, Jesus' mom. Then there was Mary of Magdala, Mary Magdalene, right? Uh, and then there's Mary, the mother of James the Lesser. Okay, she's in there too. She was one of the ones that went to the grave um, at, uh, <clears throat> at the Resurrection Sunday. And then there's uh, a Mary in Rome. And then there's the other Mary that's also in Rome that Paul talks about. And then there's this. We would call this particular Mary, Mary of Bethany. 
Why so many Marys? Well, it turns out Maria is the Greek name for Mary, Maria, even though it seems Latin to you guys, to me. But it was from the Greek, and it was the most common name in Palestine at the time. So <clears throat> according to the records, one in five ladies in Palestine was named Mary. It's a wonder that there aren't more Marys in the Bible. If it's that high a percentage, you'd think, oh gosh, there's probably a ton of them. So yes, it's because it was such a common name. And uh, <clears throat> so it's, it's, it's no wonder that we see Marys everywhere we look. But if we look at this particular Mary, she also shows up a number of times. And in John uh, uh, 12, we find that this was the Mary in John 12, 3, <clears throat> that after the resurrection of her brother, this was the Mary that anointed Jesus with oil, with perfume, if you will. And then Jesus turned around when he was challenged by, you know, none other than the thief, uh, <clears throat> you know, who was pilfering from the till, if you will. And Judas challenged him about this perfume. He said, hey, she did this for my burial, which gives us a lot of insight into Mary, okay? First of all, Mary was rich. There's no doubt about it, because that perfume could have been sold for 300 days wages, which would be an entire year. Okay. The median income in the United States of America is $48,000. So imagine a perfume that valuable, you know, that she would then give as an offering to the Savior of the world. Why was it so valuable? Well, it was imported from the Himalaya Mountains. Okay, and it was made there, and it was made of pure nard, and it was a very expensive gift. So we know they were very wealthy. In fact, if you go to Bethany today, which you can do, you'll find that that family was well known, and they built a church on top of their home, you know, because it was such a key part of the revelation of Jesus Christ to us as just regular people. Now, here's Jesus interacting with just us normal people, right? And he, he, so they marked it by putting a church on the site. <clears throat> Jesus started telling the disciples very early on, actually in Matthew 9, it starts. And nine times he was going to say this. He needed to go to Jerusalem and he was going to suffer at the hands of the elders and the chief priests and be killed, and then be raised on the third day. Two people responded to that. Peter responded to that the first time, and he got kind of explained, like, uh, hey, Lord, never let it, this was the first time he said it, that can't be true. That is not going to happen. And so Jesus said, hey, get thee behind me, Satan. That was the first person that responded. The second person was right here in, in John 12, 3. <clears throat> she anointed him with this perfume for his burial. So we have two people that heard this. Out of the hundreds of people that heard his voice, two people really actually heard it. One person 
responded out of the flesh. This is the second response where Mary anoints him for his burial. It appears that Mary was the only one that really understood what was going to happen. That's what it appears like. <clears throat> There's a reason for that, believe me. When the words of Christ are spoken in this passage, you know, I, I have to wonder to myself, what? There's only one thing necessary? Is that what you really said? Of course, you do have to dig into what the word necessary means. And the word necessary is actually means a requirement or employment. So this particular word, necessary, is kind of like yours and my daily life. There is a thing that's necessary. I, I go to work. Unfortunately, it's necessary in my life, right? And so that's a requirement. And, you know, on Monday through Friday, I do. I, I, I got to go to work. But that's just a requirement in my life. It's just employment, if you will. And Jesus is saying right here, look, uh, guys, uh, there's a lot of things that you could do, but there's one thing necessary. That's all he's saying here. There's one thing I'm asking you to do as a daily experience and a job. This is the thing that can't be taken away from you. I, I, I like that additional explanation of this. It can't be taken away. And the, the word there means it can't, it, could not, it can't be cut off from you. Once I speak to you, it can't be taken from you. The words that I'm going to say to you, you can't, I, nothing can take them away. What a blessing that is, right? So there is one thing necessary. What's the one thing? So that should be what, what we'd ask ourselves today. What's that one thing? Lord, if there's just, in, you know, every morning when I get up, if there's that, that one thing that you're asking me to do, what's that one thing? So Mary was sitting at his feet, it says, listening to his voice, hearing hearing his voice. And like we said before, she was the only one that actually heard that and knew what it meant. Well, she was the only one that demonstrated it. <clears throat> Sitting at his feet, seated, it, it, and it, it kind of goes to that stained glass window I picture I put up there. Mary wanted to sit right next to Jesus. Wherever Jesus was, Mary wanted to sit right next to him. That's what this word means. She was sitting right next. And then they add the phrase, at his feet. So sitting at his feet was a, what we call a Hebrewism. It means sitting under the discipleship or the teaching of. That's a thing you would say if you were saying, well, I'm, I'm going to church to sit under pastor's teaching. Sitting at his feet, that's what we're doing right here. Amen. Right, we're sitting under the feet of the teachings of Christ right here. We're sitting under his feet. Now, this actually, this phrase comes up quite a bit in the New Testament. So it, it actually comes up in Luke 8, if you go to Luke 8. Next slide. <clears throat> People went to see what happened when Jesus delivered this particular guy from 1,000 demons. I don't know how many demons you can cram into somebody, but that was insane. So he delivers this guy from a legion. And we know a legion is thousands, right? <clears throat> and there's the guy sitting at his feet. So this, this comes up throughout the scriptures. In fact, 
when uh, <clears throat> people were absolutely desperate, they would come and they would lay down at Jesus' feet. Now that happened quite a few times, actually. I put one or two up here. Jairus came as an official of the synagogue. What, what's an official at the synagogue? So that would be one of the officiates or one of the leaders of the synagogue. And he came and he prostrated himself at Jesus' feet. So people would come and they would sit at Jesus' feet when, he, when they were in uh, desperation. And that happened several times. <clears throat> Sitting at his feet. Of course, uh, <clears throat> every time we see Mary of Bethany... She's in this position. She's sitting at his feet. So we see her three times. This time, right? The time we also talked about in uh, John 12, 3. And then when her brother had died, she came and fell at his feet. So every time we see Mary, she's sitting at his feet. So we have to ask the question, what, what does this mean? What, what, how does this relate to us? Well, sitting at his feet, they used to uh, describe sitting under a teacher as sitting at his feet. So A, that's the first step is the teaching. Secondly, is when, when we bring him our needs, we're sitting at his feet. Thirdly, how would we describe Mary as she was anointing Jesus? How would we describe that? It's what we just did, right? The worship time is also sitting at his feet in adoration. So we have several, at least three different ways to view this about what does it mean if we are going to sit at his feet. Well, first, discipleship. Second, our needs. Third, worship. Maybe not in that order because these things happen throughout. Amen? But when we come to Christ on a day-by-day -day basis, because that's what he's saying, look, this is the only necessary thing. My... What I'm asking you to do is, you know, on, on a, a regular basis, come and sit at my feet. That's necessary, he said. So it's at least these three things. Bringing him your needs, bringing him your worship. Amen? <clears throat> and thirdly, sitting under his teaching. So, hey, this is something that God's asking us to do daily. Amen? So this whole experience I've been having with battling cancer has caused a, a renewal, if you will, as you would expect, right? Because, hey, I fit into one of these categories. I was desperate, right? I didn't know anything that was going on. And I needed to hear something from God. So daily, I was off for two months, so I had the opportunity. Sometimes God gives you that opportunity, right? And he says, okay, you take two months off. You're going to get over this. And then every day, come and sit at my feet. Wow, man, what a beautiful two months from that perspective, sitting at his feet. And so at, at, if you've come to home group, you know that um, we're in Hebrews 11 right now. And if you looked at the front of your bulletin, Hebrews 11.1 1 was our scripture passage this morning. And so we have been concentrating and, and, and teaching on walking by faith. Walking by faith requires something, amen? Because you don't have that faith without the word from God. Faith comes by hearing in Romans. And when we hear, when we're seated at his feet and we hear, that's when we have the faith to be able to walk 
and deal with the situations of our life. Tomorrow morning, try this. I challenge you today. <laughs> try this. Get up and sit at his feet. And hey, just worship, you know, uh, take your needs, lay them at the feet of Jesus. You know, tomorrow morning, I challenge you, start the day sitting at his feet. Just like Mary. Because Jesus kind of laid it on the line for us. Hey, this is, this, is only, this is the thing that's necessary for you. Come today and sit at his feet. The second thing she did was, actually the way it actually spelled it out is, heard the words of him. That's the Greek passage. Heard the words of him. <clears throat> Listening to his words. Jesus used to say this all the time. When he'd tell a parable, then he'd say, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. Exactly. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. But then when the disciples, if you go to the next next tab, Wayne, the disciples asked him, uh, hey, wait a minute. <clears throat> what does that mean? What, why are you talking in all these stories? And, and then he responds to them. He said, oh, okay. To you it has been given to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God. Okay? To you it has been given. Uh you have this incredible gift, okay? You have this opportunity and this precious time that you can now hear directly from Jesus. Not stories, but words directly from Christ. And he said, to you it has been given the opportunity to hear my word directly to you. No stories, no parables. I'm going to speak directly as I would as a friend. I'll talk to you. So we've been given this incredible story, and, but, I mean, this incredible opportunity, but what's in the way of that? Well, we, we describe the distractions, right? This is the word for distraction that he used for, Mar for Martha actually means dragging around a burden, okay? It's dragging around all the weights of concerns and heaviness and the worries the, worry, the word for worry means anxiety. Pretty straightforward. The word for, uh, for bothered means disturbed and tumult. It means your, 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 your mind is in tumult. So yes, there's things in the way of this. There's, there's reasons why we miss this opportunity that, that we have with, to know the mysteries of the kingdom. We have this incredible opportunity to hear it right from God right from the Holy Spirit. But sometimes we miss it because there's so many distractions. We're dragging around so much baggage is the way we'd say it. And, and that's a way to interpret this Greek word about being distracted. It's just too much baggage and we get distracted. Too much clamor, too much noise, right? <clears throat> okay, so we could probably say something about Facebook and and Twitter, and all the rest of the noise that's out there here now, but I know you get the message. Too much noise. The time to not be uh, <clears throat> distracted is, is in the morning. And that's why Jesus used to go out and pray in the morning, because that's the time when there weren't a thousand people around with all the needs, and which to him was a major distraction in his walk with, with God, because there's thousands of people surrounding him when when you see miracles, 
Thousands of people will flock to it. And that's what had happened to him. Somehow in all of this, with all this distraction, <clears throat> we still need to hear. Amen? Now what, what does that mean, to, to hear? We used to play a game. I, I used to train the, the TWO team leaders ahead of when the teams would come. And this is just now the young adults who are going to lead the teams. We used to play a game with them on the first day of training. We, we, they, we were going to teach them how to hear. And so the game was called telephone. So if you've played the telephone game, you know how this goes. Now, <clears throat> over in uh, England, they have an inappropriate name called Chinese whispers because they used to think the Chinese language was so confusing. But the way telephone goes is uh, you, you, you have uh, four to six people in a, on a, in a group and you whisper a message to the first person in line and then that person has to whisper it to the next person in line. And then, that, you know, as we go down the line, the last person then has to deliver the message, right? <clears throat> so uh, this was always the first, the first time through was always the funniest time because that's when, you know, the team leaders, and these were, again, leader types, and the team leaders, uh, you know, didn't really get the point of the game yet. And so they'd go through, and then the last person in line had to stand up and say what the message was. And it would, it would always come out so hilariously funny and have nothing to do at all with the original message. Then the light would come on to the team leaders. By the end of the game, you know, at first the game was the words weren't even the same, and they were like half the words came through. And by the end of this game, by the, by the time they got it, okay, it was down to... Maybe the first letter was off. I mean, they had finally discovered, all right, okay, communicating. Man, this is, this is important because the team's going to have to work together for six weeks. And us leaders, we have to be communicating. And so by the end of the game, the last person in line would go up and, and, and it would be off maybe, maybe a syllable or maybe a couple of letters were off. You know, they'd finally gotten it. There's a, a difference between listening and actually hearing what's said, okay? So <clears throat> I've discovered uh, a secret on this, and I've been kind of in the last couple of, and it's just a secret, it was a secret for me, I'll put it that way, okay? The less, the better, right? <laughs> that's, all, that's all I've really discovered on this. Really, I only need maybe one word, amen? Maybe that's all I really need today is just one word. So I thought, all right, Let's have an adventure here, Lord. For the next couple of weeks, I'm going to ask, I'm going to get up every morning, I'm going to get up and say, Lord, give me one word. That's all I want is one word. And then I'll go look up a scripture, and that'll be my word for the day. So this is my, my big experiment, the word for the day. Sometimes it hasn't been exactly one word, okay? Sometimes he goes overboard. He gives me a phrase, okay? But that's okay. You know, I, I'm cool. So it, this has been really interesting, the way this has worked out. So uh, first couple of times, it was, it was interesting, you know, it was fun. I actually explained this at home group. And then I kept doing it, and Thursday's word was flee. Flee, that was Thursday's word. So I, I said, okay, flee. What do you mean, you know, first of all, flee with two E's, not flee with an A, right? Because then I was going to check the dog. But no, flee with two E's. 
And, uh, and so, you know, I began to understand flee in terms of flee from the world's lust or the world's desires or youthful lust is the way the scripture says it. You know, and this is really funny. I go through the whole day and nothing happens about this except the reminder in the morning, okay, just flee, you know, worldly concerns. And then at 5 o'clock, they called me in and they actually demoted me. And I'm going, what? What, what happened? You know, that's kind of the way this has worked out. Amen? In, in Saturday, <clears throat> the word was fearless. Again, this is just an example, and, I just, and I'm encouraging you. Just ask the Lord. This is really kind of an experiment, but ask the Lord. So Saturday, it was fearless, and it was Psalm 27. We talked about Psalm 27 in terms of, of the funerals. Actually, I used Psalm 27 in the funeral I did. And it says in Psalm 27, verse 2, the enemy has come upon me to eat my flesh. I read that and said, oh man, I know, exactly. That's what cancer does. Okay? But I will fear not. Amen? And so I began to really so surprised at the way this, this thing has worked out. No, if you would sit there like Mary... And hear the word. Hear what the word is. He will then bring along the understanding. This is what I've discovered. And you will begin to see how this word brings you life every day. Try that. It's really kind of cool. It's, uh, <clears throat> it's an opportunity we have to know the mysteries of the kingdom. To know the mysteries of life. To, to know and, and realize that God loves you and he has a word for you. And he, he wants to encourage you and strengthen you today. And uh, the time to get that word, and this really works, <clears throat> the time to get that word is when you first get up, ask the Lord, all right, what's the word for the day? That's exactly how I do it, okay? There's no, you know, no, nothing special here. Just ask the Lord, okay, Lord, I know you want to speak to me today. What's the word for the day today? I've kind of gotten it, you know, used to it and now anticipating it because I know this this actually really makes a difference for us. To know the direction and to know by God's intervention in my life, this is where we're headed. This is what, this is what the mystery is for the day. And, it, and it's encouraging to know that I can, you know, walk through the day and I'm not distracted because I've already got the word. Amen. And you know, when I get this word, I always say, okay, what scripture do you want to put this with? And, you know, what's the context? And so then I dig into the, to the meaning and the scripture and all behind the word and stuff. And um, <clears throat> my challenge to you today is, listen, this works. Pray in the morning. Ask God for a word. Ask God for the scripture that goes with the word. And it will change your life. There's only one thing that's required, Jesus said. You know, it's only taken me 40 years to figure this out. <laughs> okay, I'm just teasing myself here. We've done this year by year, time and time again, but it's an encouragement today. It's encouragement to focus in one more time in, 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 in an example where Jesus was talking to one of his dearest, dearest friends, Martha, and giving her an encouragement and some correction. 
Yeah, hey, look, Martha, what was she doing? Well, she was serving the Lord. Amen? What was wrong with that? Amen? Nothing. Nothing was wrong. That's why I said at the beginning, look, I think she got a bad rap here, right? Because everybody thinks that, like, everybody named Martha has got this, you know, has to live with this passage about Jesus encouraging Martha. And, uh, you know, everybody that names Mary has a free ride, right? Because they... (laughs) Because they have the name, right? That, that's so uh, popular. Okay. The encouragement to Martha, don't get distracted because it's so easy. Amen? There's so much out there, so much of the noise that bothers us. That's exactly what that Greek word means, clamor or noise. Hey, I can identify with that. Amen? Uh, <clears throat> so much to worry about in the anxiety and so much distraction that again our sort of weights we drag around with us and I was reading a <clears throat> a sermon this week and by Spurgeon and he was talking about this passage in the context that God didn't make you just to do what's required of your employment and guys struggle with this I gotta let you know and I got that little no- note on Thursday about that, you know, they'd taken me off this and put a new guy in this. You struggle with that, amen? Right? But God didn't make you for that. He didn't make you to be a manager at Wegmans. That's just what you do. Amen? You're made for bigger things. You're made for this relationship that, that Mary had discovered. This relationship. He made you to come and sit at his feet. He made you to listen to the voice of God. And there's that place in your heart that fills up with a word when you get a word like that. It just fills up. And then you're overflowing in thanksgiving and worship. That's what we're made for. Amen? That's what we live for. And that's what Jesus wants for you today. So as we close, we're going to pray here in a minute, but I want to encourage you that... <clears throat> This very poignant story is, is, comes as a reminder. And, and it's, it's basically just an encouragement to you today. That there's one thing necessary. It's tomorrow morning, come to the feet of Jesus. That's the necessary thing. That's what, that was he, what he was telling Martha. Because it's so easy in the morning to get distracted. You know, in our house, we have to turn on the weather. That's one of the first things that happens, right? We turn on the weather. We... And, I, and so we decided, well, let's wait on that, okay? The weather's not going anywhere, right? Okay, so we can wait, you know, and let's go get sitting at the feet of Jesus first and get that, get that communication going, get that word for the day, if you will, right? And we'll, we'll hear from God. The weather will be there when we uh, open the garage door, and, uh, and we can turn on the, you know, the weather. They, they make that awesome little weather channel that tells you without any uh, weatherman what's going to happen. And you can dress appropriately. Don't get distracted, amen? Don't get bothered. Focus in. So let's pray. Father, we thank you again for the encouragement of the word of God. So powerful is one spoken word from you as to transform us And this can happen on a daily basis. We thank you, Lord, that you love us. 
and you want to speak into our hearts. You want to give us a, a word that would be the opportunity to know the mysteries. That, Lord, <clears throat> this mystery of our life, you want to speak into that so it's not mysterious at all. And lead us with a spoken word, rhema, that would change our hearts today. I thank you, Lord God, that in the midst of the noise and distraction, that as we sit at your feet <clears throat> and listen to you, you will lead us and, and direct us and change our hearts. We do, Lord, we do when we come to you. We bring our burdens. And you, will, you said, you promised, you'd, you'd carry and lift them for us. And so even these distractions and burdens and worries we have, we bring those and we leave those with you too. We thank you again for the word of God that's so powerful, like a two-edged sword, that <clears throat> is our lifeline to survival here because we're still in the world. We still have to deal with these anxieties, Lord. And so we lift them up to you and ask, Lord, that you would speak that word to us daily, day by day, which is the thing that you asked us to do. And we just pray in Jesus' name that you would every day this week that you would speak a word to us. Thanks so much for listening to this podcast brought to you every week by Henrietta Christian Fellowship located at 1085 Middle Road in Rush, New York. If you have a prayer request or a need, we want you to know that we're here for you. Please send us an email at henriettacf at gmail.com. That's henriettacf at gmail.com. Once again, thank you for listening, and God bless.